such an honor to have Pastor Aristi here. We're so honored that you are here. Good to see you. We don't blame you for any of Raphael's mistakes. They do a good work. Uh, they're both pastors, and um, they really invested in, uh, their, in their family and Raphael. So honored to have them here. Uh, to, this week, we are talking again about uh, putting God first. And uh, my favorite Bible character, other than Jesus, somebody's going to send me an email, is Joseph. I love the story of Joseph, and I, I think I identify with him. I think my heart's desire is to do similar things that he did in bringing um, uh, wholeness and, and ministry and, and, and providing for many people. I just think that's uh, it's a God-sized dream, and I love the story. I love who he is. I love how he persevered. He was a guy who... Uh, was betrayed, sold into slavery, was being faithful even in slavery, was falsely accused, went to prison. In prison, he was faithful. And God was able to utilize his giftedness and his character and his uh, willingness to still be faithful and then actually brought restoration through him. Fed the nation of Israel and surrounding nations, actually saved the world at that time from famine and then position him to bring restoration to his family. And I just love it. I love the story. Uh, it's about 13 or 14 chapters long. And I would encourage you guys to read through Genesis 37 through 50 just to kind of get a feel for the story. There's so much great information, so much great revelation from those chapters. And I, I believe that it does touch every aspect of our lives as well. So I love Joseph. I love the story. I love a lot of... Uh, the Old Testament characters, but I really love his life. So if you guys would stand, I thought Pastor Raphael did an incredible job last week talking about Daniel and our need to, to, to stand in the midst of culture, in the midst of politics, and even in the midst of religion uh, to do what is right and to honor the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for uh, your kindness toward us, God, your faithfulness toward us, God. I pray that you would speak to hearts this morning. I sense you even shifting the message uh, even now as we speak, that there's, there's people here that they need to know their identity in you. That you love them more than they understand. That they, they really are seeing themselves incorrectly. And some, God, are, are in the midst of trial, God, and they're wondering where you are. But you've never left them. You're still there. And there are others who they wonder if they have anything to give to the world around them. And, God, you're going to clarify that for them this morning. Bless them. Speak to us. Challenge us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So... I'm going to have you stand again. How about that? Let's read from scripture this morning. <laughs> I almost did made you sit down to stand up again. I'm not going to do that. It's horrible. Abuse of power. So Genesis 37, 3 through 11. We're also going to read 18 through 24. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had when we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. 
Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you have? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Verses 18 through 24. But they saw him in the distance, and this is his brothers, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes the dreamer. And they said to each other, come now, let's kill him. Throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see. What comes of his dreams? When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty and there was no water in it. You may be seated. So this is an incredible set of scriptures for me. There's so much uh, revelation in this. And I, I just love the character of Joseph. The first point is we have to learn to live from our place of identity. About a month ago, we talked about Jacob. And, and Jacob in this passage has been renamed to Israel. So Jacob had lived his entire life. And some of you guys may identify with this. But he lived his whole life as a deceiver, a manipulator. He was always on the run. He was always trying to outrun his past. And there was this place in time where his past was about to catch up with him. And he had an encounter with God. And God renamed him. He said, you're not a deceiver. You're actually a prince with God. And I love this. Because as we see the story progress from earlier in Genesis, Genesis now to, to Joseph, what Jacob, now Israel, understands, because what you receive, now he's able to give away. The identity that he begins to discover, that he is a prince with God, now he's able to give his son Joseph a robe that was ornate. So a lot of people call it a coat of many colors. A better translation would probably be a robe with sleeves. And it represented royalty. And he was actually declaring, not only are you incredibly loved, but I think there's something special about your life that God wants to do. And a lot of us in here, we struggle with the idea of identity. We struggle with who we were, what we've done. Sometimes we can't even receive from God. So I'm sitting here in the pew. And I didn't mention this in the first service. And I can remember going to Bible school and I was really still messed up, had no real understanding of God. Uh, I had really low self-worth because of all the things that I had done. My framework wasn't good. And so I remember that somebody from our church actually, actually sent $500 to, to school. And for somebody who's working and going to school, $500 is a lot of money, right? But I let it sit in the account at the school because I didn't think I was worth it to get it out. That tells you the power of identity because here's the thing. There are things that God wants to give you or clothe you in or set you free from, but you can't receive it because you have poor identity. And we see this 
uh, in this story that, that Jacob is actually, because he's been renamed, he's been changed, he's actually able to give it away to somebody else now. And Joseph receives that. And of course, God gives him a dream. And he has this dream. And of course, being a young guy, he's arrogant, right? When you're young, you think you're going to change the world. In reality, God's going, I'm going to change you first before you change the world. But he tells his brothers, he tells his family, oh, you know, you're going to be at my feet. That's the way that's going to work. And of course, it doesn't go over well in the family. Anybody have some, some contentions in their family sometimes? But Joseph has this and they're furious. I mean, they honestly now they hate him and they want to kill him. And so when they see him coming at a distance, they go, let's kill him. And now we'll see what happens to his dream. Identity doesn't keep you from difficulty, but it keeps you in difficulty. In other words, this, it doesn't keep you from the hardships of life, but it will keep you steady in the hardships of life. If you don't know who you are and you don't know who God is, when you enter difficulty, you're going to struggle. You're going to wrestle. I'm going to give you an example of the power of identity. Jesus is baptized and he's about to start his mission. He's been living for 30 years on the earth. And from heaven, God says, you are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. This is before Jesus has done anything. No miracles, no signs, no ministry, no preaching, no anything. And he's declaring, before you've done a thing, I love you. But immediately, he's then sent into the wilderness to be tested. And I think sometimes in our Christianity, we think we're, God's going to save us out of trial. God will use trial to shape us. L- listen, we live in an imperfect world. Okay, So you can expect trouble. Jesus said, you will experience trouble in this life. Take heart because I've overcome the world. So you have to understand, um, God doesn't always send these things, but he can utilize these things for us to help to become secure in who we are. And so he's being tempted in the wilderness. And it says after 40 days, he was hungry. And Satan comes up and he goes, um, if you are the son of God. Notice how he's already beginning to, to push on identity. If you are the son of God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And of course, Jesus responds in a biblical manner. But before we, we, we tell you what he said, I need us to understand how the enemy works. Because he comes in and he challenges his identity. If you're the son of God, then act incorrectly and do something to prove it. Because a lot of us in here, as soon as we come through trial or something, we're automatically beginning to think, what did I do wrong? When in actuality, maybe you didn't do anything wrong. But some of you guys, as, as soon as something happens, you start going back and you start questioning, you know, well, well maybe I did something wrong. The enemy kind of begins to plant seeds and doubts in your mind to help you think a certain way. I don't know if you know, he can't over, overthrow you, but he can affect the way that you think. You guys realize this, right? And he begins to, if, if he can, he'll begin to get you to question things. If you're really a child of God, why are you in this situation? If you're really a loved child of God, if you're really a good child of God, how could you find yourself in this situation? 
And if he can't get you in your identity, then he'll definitely try to attack the character of God. Surely a good God would not want you to be hungry, would he? Surely a good God would have kept some, that bad thing from happening to you. Surely a good God wouldn't have allowed you to experience what you experienced. So something's off here. Either you're wrong or he's wrong. And what did Jesus do? He responded. I can receive the food that I need from God, spiritual food. And he knew how to answer the enemy through scripture. So I think it's interesting as well that when the brothers saw Joseph coming, they wanted to strip him of what they felt like was his identity. It's the same thing that Satan, our life, wants to do to us as well. I want to show you a, a, a picture and a quote. Oh, really a quote. If you could put that up on the screen. This is a book from about 20 years ago. And I can remember I am trying to figure out identity. I'm trying to figure out the idea that God really loves me after what I've done. And this is one of the quotes from the book. It says, if you can convince a man that, that he is a slave when in fact he is a king by birth, then he will develop a slave mentality and will live far beneath his inherited right. In spite of who he is genetically, in spite of his heritability, so what he can receive because he is in the bloodline, he will never rise to the throne because he believed a lie concerning his identity. Who you are determines how you act. Let me tell you why this is important, because everything that we need was found in the sacrifice of Jesus. The Bible says that you've actually been clothed in his righteousness. So when you accept Christ, everything that you've done in the past has been forgiven. Okay? And that means now God sees you through what Jesus did for you. Not what you used to do. Not what you did. All right? Now you may have some things that you have to answer for. Right? In your life. But he doesn't view you as the sinner you used to be because you've been clothed in what Jesus has done. But here's what I see sometimes the church do. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. And if you tell somebody constantly they're a sinner, they'll always sin. But if you begin to declare over them what Jesus has done and who they really are, they'll begin to live up to what you declare over them. Do you understand? Sometimes we want to coerce behavior. It's not about behavior. Behavior is the fruit of what you believe. So you begin to tell people who they are, their behavior will begin to align, hopefully, with that. So here's what I want us to take away from this, because identity is so important. I hope one day we have identity groups that we're training and teaching people how to walk out their identity in Christ. I hope to have identity weekends where we actually begin uprooting and changing people's mindsets and dealing with strongholds so that they can walk out fully what God has called us to be and to do. So Jacob was able to give the gift of love and identity to Joseph. Well, Jesus plays the role of Jacob in our life. He begins to clothe us in his love. He begins to clothe us and says that every spiritual blessing is yours. You're now a son and a daughter. Let, let me tell you something. My son, I love him and my daughter is over here and I love to provide for them. And they go, hey, dad, like uh, Caleb, he'll say, hey, dad, found some Alabama gear. I'm going to put it on the credit card. And I'm like, you should, son. That's a good purchase. <laughs> right? And then my daughter, my daughter is baking. She, she baked 75 cupcakes, right, for a birthday party. 
So I'll purchase the material so that she gets to use her gift to receive money for what she made. Because that's what a dad does, right? I love to see them flourish in what they want to do. That's me because they're my kid. They don't really even have to ask. I love to do it. And some, some people in here, you've struggled all your life with understanding how much God really does love you. How much he really does want to provide for you. How much he really does want to help walk you through things. Because if you don't know you and you don't know him, you're going to struggle in your Christianity. Okay, number two. There's a process to the promise. Say it with me. There is a process to the promise. How many want instant gratification? Raise your hand. How many want it done now? Raise your hand. How many want it done yesterday? Raise your hand. Okay. God is so brilliant in walking us through process because some things can only be formed and changed and developed over time. Sometimes if we got what we wanted in the, in a season prior to us being ready, it'd crush us. How many give their three-year-olds the keys to the car? You do not, right? Because there's, there's a, a process that needs to be walked out. Genesis 39, 2 through 6 says this. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Joseph has been sold into slavery. He is now a slave in the captain of the guard's house. So he is a slave. And yet God says he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And all the ladies said, keep going. Tell us more. So here's the thing. Joseph is a slave. And he's being faithful to his slave master. And God says he is prospering. And my question to you guys as Christians, because I, political climate, you know, there's, there's all these things that are going on. And the question that I have, what if God has placed you in your business under your ungodly boss in a maybe ungodly business to help it be successful? What if he's positioned you in order for that person to see there's something different about you? The God that you serve. And a lot of times I feel like we we don't approach our jobs or we don't have the mentality of I'm going to be excellent for my God so they can see there's something different. So here's something else too. As a Christian, we have a responsibility to be trustworthy. Have you ever asked yourself the question, am I trustworthy with what somebody else has or with somebody else's dream or with somebody else's responsibility? 
I mean, when Jesus talked about that, if you can't be trusted with somebody else's, how can you be trusted with your own? And the question is, I I just see a lot of times Christians taking shortcuts and not fulfilling their responsibility. They come in and they go to work and they do a a half job. They don't give full effort. They're undercutting their boss. And quite frankly, it's wrong. It's sin. Celebration Sunday, y'all. So here's the thing, though. Sometimes we find ourselves in a situation that we didn't sign up for. Maybe we've been betrayed. Maybe we've been let go. It happens in life. Maybe things didn't turn out the way that we thought. Maybe we find ourselves in a loveless marriage. Maybe we find ourselves in something. And here's what I need you to know. God is still with you in it. God is still with you in it. Because if we don't know identity, now we're questioning ourselves, we're questioning God. But God is with Joseph in this situation, and God is with you in your situation. And Joseph's work benefited an ungodly man. I remember I worked at uh, Walmart Distribution. I've told this story a number of times. Uh, in, in Florida, it, um, if you go to Florida and you don't get saved, you really don't fear hell. Because it is hot in Florida. It is... It is hot and humid. So I remember going, and I worked in a 53-foot trailer. I worked, worked in a distribution center, and um, they just pumped freight. It was the second busiest distribution plant in America. And I can remember within 10 or 15 minutes, I was soaking head to toe. Clothes just soaked. And they just pumped freight all day. And you would take it, and you would just stack it. And I, I remember... I can't remember who they told. I think it was a pastor at Chris's church. They said, hey, don't send any more of your people to our, our, our business or to our center because they quit on us all the time. And I just went, wow, what a black mark on the name of Christians, on Christianity. The, the fact is, the way you work, the way you treat other people, people are watching. They're watching the title Christian. They're watching how you are. Are you trustworthy? Can they of, of all the people on the earth? Christians should be the ones that they should be entrusted with the most. Amen. Okay. Gosh, sure did get quiet. <laughs> so what is God doing when it seems like he's a million miles away from our situation? Joseph finds himself. He's been betrayed. Um, you know, then he, he has a false accusation. Potiphar's wife actually wants Joseph to sleep with her. And he refuses. And he says, how could I do this and sin against God? And she accuses him and Potiphar throws him now into prison. So he's in prison. He's been sold as a slave. Now he's in prison. And it says that he's been faithful, even in prison. I I need you to understand how God uses process. Like life is unfair. You know, we mistreat people. People mistreat us. You know, things fall apart, things don't work out. That's, that's part of life. But I wanted to show you something from Psalm 105 that I think is really important. If you put that up. This is Psalm 105, 17 through 19. It says, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Verse 18. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. Verse 19. It says, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. If you could leave that up. Now you notice... That in that first line, it says, until the time that his word, 
And then you come underneath and it says the word of the Lord. That first word actually is debar. It's in Hebrew, it's debar. And it's a spoken word. It's a commandment. In this, in, in this setting, it was the dream that God gave him. God gave him a prophetic word about his future. And in a Pentecostal church, we need to understand this. Right? Because the Holy Spirit really does speak about things to come or about our life or, or things like that. So that prophetic word, until the time that that prophetic dream or that prophetic word came to pass, the word of the Lord, that is Imrah, and that's talking about the literal word of God. It's talking about character. So while you dream of the vision, can your character, can you live that out? And so a lot of us here, God has given you a word or this desire or he's, you know, a prophetic person has come and said, this is what I feel like the Lord is speaking over you. So he's testing your faith with the prophetic word, but he's testing your character by the written word. Can you be the person? Can you have the character that will be able to sustain the promise that he wants to give you? And I watch people short, short circuit and try to take a shortcut in God. And every time they wind back in the same place. Because until you deal with the issues or you deal with your character or until you're faithful, God cannot and will not give you more. Because he will not give you something that will destroy you. Okay? All right, everybody clap now. That seemed weird. There we go. That seems right. So Joseph has been betrayed. He's been sold into slavery. Now he's in prison. And I don't know about you. After a while, I may be a little frustrated. Anybody ever tended to withhold when they were mad or frustrated, right, from other people? Thank you for your exuberance up there about withholding. Um, but I mean, sometimes you get, you get mad, you get angry. Well, if I'm, I'm not going to get anything out of it, I'm not going to do anything for anybody else. It's not Joseph. He honestly continues to serve. The, the Bible says that, that everything in the jail was put in, uh, under his care. And so there are two guys that actually did something. He sinned against Pharaoh or did something wrong. And they were thrown into prison, the cupbearer and the baker. And the cupbearer and the baker are talking. And understand something. In both of these situations... Joseph is learning how officers handle themselves. Okay? In the captain of the army, he's learning how the, the captain tells his people what to do. How he leads people. Now he's in jail figuring out what not to do. Okay, so he's learning. But these two guys are having this discussion and, and said, you know, I had a dream. And the other guy said, I did too. And Joseph said, well, God is the interpreter of dreams. Why don't you tell me what, what God said? And they, they told the dreams, and here's what the Lord revealed to Joseph, said, Cupbearer, in three days you're going to be restored, and you're going to go back before Pharaoh. But Baker, your head's going to be removed from you. You're going to die. And I don't know how I would have reacted if I was the baker, but they both went, all right, we'll see. And so it happened like he said, Baker is killed, Cupbearer is restored. And as the Cupbearer is going back, Joseph said, hey, will you remember me? Will you remember me? Please remember me. You ever been in a situation you felt like you were forgotten by God? 
that you've prayed all these prayers, that you have poured your guts out, you've tried to do the best that you can. God, where are you? Somebody, please remember me. Remember there was a season the last number of years, this thing inside of me was growing. I didn't, I, there was these things that God was speaking very clearly, very clearly. But I felt really torn between what I saw and what God was, was saying. I didn't know what to do about it. And I, I, I would go to God constantly in prayer and go, God, I feel like you painted me into a corner. I don't know what to do. Remember, there's a, a speaker that came and he, he said, man, I really feel like the Lord, Isaiah 49, I really feel like the Lord says you're a, a, an arrow that he's hidden. But if you read the rest of uh, a number of verses, it says, God, I've given myself in vain, but I know that my reward lies with you. I really felt like that for, for a number of seasons. And there, there are seasons in life where God is developing your character and your trust in him, even when you can't understand. And of course, because he interprets that dream two years later, Pharaoh has a dream and it scares him. And he mentions it to his cupbearer. The cupbearer says, oh, now I remember. There's a guy that interpreted my dream. Now, I want you to stop and think about this for a moment. If Joseph wouldn't have been faithful, faithful through every process, wouldn't have interpreted the dream that he didn't need to, he wouldn't have been discovered and he wouldn't have been removed out of jail. It speaks to our Christianity, how we need to give, even when we think we're not going to get anything in return. It was the heart and the character of Joseph. So, of course, he, they bring him before Pharaoh and he's able to interpret the dream. Seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. Here's how you need to go about it. And here's what Pharaoh says. And I pray this for every person in this room. He says, who else but you has the spirit of God like you do? That is supposed to be what Christianity is about. That you're marked, you're ready in season and out of season, you have a plan, you're diligent, you have character, you're a hard worker, and that you're trustworthy. So, of course, uh, Joseph has a plan and it's beginning to take off and the, the famine hits and uh, he finds his family shows up. The people who stripped him of his robe, the people who wanted to kill him, the ones who betrayed him, the ones who turned on him. And now is the test, right, of his character. And of course, he extends love and compassion to them, brings them in. And here's what Joseph says, because every person in this room, the greatest gift that you have is not what you can do for the Lord, because the Lord doesn't need us to do. We partner with him, and it's part of his plan to utilize our skills or our gifts or, or those kind of things. The greatest thing that you can give is what you know about him. The very place that you've been transformed is the gift that you get to give the world. Because that's what you know about him. For, my, for me, I think my word is faithful. God has always been faithful. I've had really unfaithful seasons and God has always been faithful to me. But now I'm beginning to see his faithfulness in a lot of different areas that I hope overtake large regions because that's what he is, is he's faithful. So Genesis 50, 20, this is, this is what he's able to answer because his dad finally dies. And the brothers go, 
Are we now going to see the real Joseph? Is he going to throw us into prison or kill us? And this is what he said. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. All right. So, so in ministry, I hear a lot of bad stories. I do. Uh, I hear a, a lot of stories of abuse or, or, or things that should have happened that didn't happen or, or maybe some things that people did wrong. And here's what I would tell you is that people, uh, that God wants to redeem what you've gone through for the saving of somebody else. That what you've received from him, now you're able to, to give away. There was a, a mother who sent me an email last week, or maybe a couple of weeks ago now, and she just said, I'm really going out on a limb here. And she said, but I, I was in an abusive relationship. And, and now I want to minister to women who have been in an abusive relationship. Because what you receive from the Lord, now you can minister to somebody else. And that's why, so, so sometimes we, we think only as Christians, but there's an entire world that needs to know that God loves them and loves them in their mess. That's why Jesus died. And we can actually be a Joseph to the world to go, hey, I've been there. Let me tell you what I know about God and let me help walk you through this. This is what Christianity is about. So my question to you this morning is, what do you know about God? Because what you know about him is what you're able to give away. God is, is really kind. He's really kind. He's really good. And in Jesus, we're forgiven. Listen, and life is hard, y'all. You know that it is. People have issues. I have issues. There's things that we're always working through. But here's the thing is I know that God loves me. I know that God is for us. And we have to minister in what we receive from him. I love this last thing. said Joseph is now able to steward the responsibility his position demands. I need to, all the young people, look at me. God places this dream in your heart. And it's, it's, it's to do some great things. And I love when people dream of greatness. I do. I never want to pull that idea of greatness and try to strip it from somebody. Because for me, that's slave mentality. What God does, though, is he begins to take that dream and he begins to shape it so that you have his heart for the dream. Because the dream is always about people. Right? And the way you minister and the way you take that dream and you, you, you hold it with an open hand, now you begin to understand what God wants to do and it is always directed to somebody else. You don't own that dream. You're a steward of your responsibility for that dream. And allow God to, to, to change your character in order to minister. So we're going we're gonna to close. But there are three things I want you to leave with. You've got to know your identity. You have to know how much he loves you. You have to know that Jesus paid the price. That now there's all these spiritual blessings that he places on you. He's not mad at you. He's not frustrated by you. He's not disappointed by you. Every spiritual blessing of heaven is yours. You've been clothed in righteousness. It doesn't matter if you sin right now. He's clothed you with righteousness. He does not remove that from you. It's that righteousness that begins to change you to be more and more like him. So he doesn't withhold it until you get good enough. He gives it to you so that you'll grow up into it. The second thing is, 
there's a process to the promise. There's a process to the promise of your marriage. There's a process to the promise of what's inside of you. But you can't short circuit it. You can't take a shortcut in it. I don't understand why God took Joseph through this way. Did it have to be this way? Probably not. Maybe his arrogance, maybe the sin of somebody else's brothers forced him in this, but God was still with him in it, still brought him through it. It doesn't matter what somebody else does to you because God's going to get you to the place you need to be. Number three, your story in, within God's story helps people. Don't waste your pain. Don't waste your past. Don't waste what you did or what happened to you or anything like that. Allow God to redeem it and to utilize it. So I just wrote some thoughts. God is saying the past is over. He desires for you to be clothed in him. Not your past, not what should have been done, what could have been done, what happened to you, what you did. He wants to clothe you in what Jesus did. Number two, some of you have quit or not given your best in an area of your life. Could be job, could be marriage, could be relationships. You stopped. And God understands, he really does, but he's going, he's saying, I need you to re-engage. And then lastly, some need to give away what you know about God because you have underestimated its worth. God is so good about, about meeting us where we are and, and redeeming it, but now he wants you to give it away and to look at the world around you and go, I've got something that I've got to tell you about and I've got something that I'm willing to walk with you through because God is too good not to waste it. I'm going to ask you to stand. If you don't know who Christ is, I'd love to be able to tell you about him. I want you to know him personally. He died for you, loves you. And I would love for you to make him your Lord and Savior. But some of you guys, listen, we talk about the altar a lot. The altar is a place where people are changed. It's the place where encounter happens. It's the place where some things that you just heard become solidified. Don't rush out. If you need prayer, we'll have people, people that will, will pray for you. Some people may have a prophetic word for you. But I've been to the altar thousands of times. This is the place where God changed me. So don't rush out. Church, we, we, we've got to walk out our Christianity. We've got to be able to receive in order to give. And God is really faithful to meet us where we are. Lord, I pray for the men and women in this room. And I pray, God, there would be great revelation, God, of your love and who you are. But I pray they would also begin to see who they really are in you. I pray for those, God, that are struggling in a job or maybe they're not giving their best efforts or they're struggling in marriage or maybe they're just struggling and they feel like quitting and, and you're calling them to re-engage. For those who feel like you're a million miles away, you're not. You're near. And for those, God, they've withheld. They, they're not sure if, if, you, if you can use what they've been through or they don't know how to go about it. God, I pray that you would speak to them. Give, bring across their path people or situations. God, they can utilize what they've been through for your glory. But God, I pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you'd speak to every heart, every person, every life. And meet them where they are. You love them so much. And you 
are so good. Teach us, God, to put you first in all things. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.